Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible horror movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, you know what, please send it my way. Well, what do you get when one of your co-directors goes MIA and forces you to recut the film by yourself? Why you get one of the most independent horror movies that I think I've ever seen in Spawn of the Vampire. Another movie, another podcast. This week I've got really something special. Now, I'm going to warn you about two things right off the bat. First, the audio I pulled, it's not doctored in any way at all. The stuff that I pulled from the movie was left intact so you can have a better understanding on how the audio production for this film was. Secondly, there is really, I mean really, an independent feel to this film. Uh, The... uh, a listener by the name of Ito, who is a friend with the writer-director of this film, Eric Herrera, let me know that one of the guys who was responsible for this film went MIA during the production and forced Eric to recut this film by himself, and it truly shows. I went into this film with this knowledge, and it did sway me some. I tried not to... You know, I'm not saying that I'm giving the film a pass, but if you did watch this, you really know what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure there may have been better pieces, uh, or other pieces, I should say, that could have been reshot or added in to flesh out the story a little better. But I can understand the choices that you might have made if you're the only one involved in the process of editing this film. With that said, let's begin this vampire fest that is called Spawn of the Vampire. The first thing that you're going to notice is that film starts out with the killing of some poor girl within the first 30 seconds of the movies. I mean, can't some poor girl just get away and be killed later? Well, we actually find out that this is a dream of Cassie, our main character of this film. She wakes up in a... a sweat, I guess. I don't know, but she's definitely creeped out about the dream. And then suddenly she wakes up again. Wait, is this like some sort of like vampception here? Dreams about vampires within dreams about vampires within the real world? Or is it possibly not the real world? 
Who fuck knows? Well, after this second awakening, we get the title cards. For an independent film, they're very plain. The music's a little odd. You kind of heard the title music that I played a second ago. It's almost like there's like a cat either like screaming or having an orgasm that's been put into multiple pitches to make a coherent piece of music. Or something like um, the little boy from Bob's Burgers would make on his Casio player. Why his name escapes me right now, I don't know. <laughs> so after these title cards, we're introduced into or to Mexican Johnny Knoxville, also known as Rico. Hey, she was yelling last night again, huh? Yeah, everyone heard her. Anyway, where were you? At work. I have a graveyard shift, remember? All I remember about you is you're either always high or getting drunk. I guess he's going to be the comic relief for this movie. You know, it could be better, but damn, it's a white guy playing a Mexican in such a stereotypical way. I mean, the dude could be Latino, I don't know, but he definitely looks more like a white guy more than anything else. We also meet Dylan in that scene, as well as Lacey a little bit later, two of the many roommates that occupy this apartment. With all of the actors in this film, Lacey has the most distinct accent and is also the one with the most attitude. Do not tell me we're out of coffee again. Seriously? Coffee? Could she be more stereotypically black and New Jerseyan at the same time? I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what the choice is. But after being upset about some, you know, coffee and having some in- interesting banter between the three of them, one that also includes something about Rico wanting to smash uh, Lacey, I guess. I, d- I don't know. He's such a fucking asshole and not very funny at all. Uh, Dylan decides that he's going to go back and check on Cassie, who's been having some weird nightmares and screaming it during the night for quite some time. There's an awkwardly shot conversation in the bathroom, since Dylan is also trying to get ready to go to work, and I guess he might actually be a cop, but yet he's living with the student. I don't, I don't get it, or he's going to meet a cop, I don't know. And then there's some foreshadowing in their conversation. It'll make it our fifth horror film audition. Well, good luck with that. What type of horror movie? A slasher? No. Vampires. Do you think I can play a vampire in a horror movie? <laughs> well, sure live like one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I was a vampire in another life. <laughs> Okay, so it's not like we didn't know that the vampires were connected to Cassie. In fact, you can kind of connect those dots through the dream sequence in the beginning of the movie, even though it's just someone getting killed. It's awfully very convenient to the plot that she's auditioning for a vampire movie. Well, after her conversation with Dylan, we get to meet this another roommate and friend of Cassie's, Sarah. Sarah is a bitch, and we'll just leave it at that. There's also this weird filter on the lens, but I'm not sure if it's just a filter or if it's, like, out of focus. I did notice that comes up a lot, and I mean a lot. The scenes that are shot out of focus, so that you can focus upon the close face that comes into the the frame of the shot. So, let me give you an example. 
I'm going to have a cat walk into frame to give a sense of freedom in the great outdoors. Instead of coming into the focus on the cat slowly, maybe as it walks into the scene, I'm going to leave the grassland that the cat's going to be walking up in completely fucking blurry with the exception of the front pieces of the grass. So everything that's up close to the lens, that's going to be in focus. The cat then is going to walk into the shot right in the front part of the lens or at least wherever i want to focus in so that you'll get a perfectly focused on cat but before that it'll be blurry as fuck for a good 15 20 seconds and this happens multiple times and even when there is action going on in the background there'll definitely be more to talk about on this like effect as we move on And really in the beginning, I thought it was more like a lens choice, but it really seems just to be a focusing effect. So Sarah and Cassie now leave the apartment, where now I realize there's like eight fucking people living together in there. And they run into their landlady, who surprisingly looks just like my apartment manager. I had no idea that she did any type of acting. It freaks me out even more when this lady is just as creepy, if not creepier, than my current landlady. She asked if I had any nice tenants. I told her you were the sweetest tenant we have here, and she wants to meet with you. Thank you, Miss Sanders. I'd like to meet her. Even with that conversation being so weird and kind of disturbing, Cassie just acts so oblivious to the fact that she's obviously some type of evil bitch and carries along with Sarah. I think the landlady just really wants to jump Cassie's bones, and it feels like Sarah has the same feeling. Why is Mrs. Dandridge always looking at you? No, she isn't. Yeah, she is. You know, Everybody knows that Mrs. Dandridge is friendlier to you than she is to anybody else, and she's always worried about you seriously is cassie just that gullible that she trusts everyone and doesn't think they have any type of malicious intent i kind of feel like cassie's the type of girl that some guy could say to her hey let me just see if it fits we won't have sex if it doesn't and she'd be like oh okay i'm sure i agree with that I'm not trying to like advocate anything here, but she's just so clueless. She wouldn't realize that the guy is just trying to get his dick wet. Well, while they're having this conversation, suddenly some guy out of the shot comes up to the car window before Sarah and Cassie take off for their movie reading. This is Joe. He's some old dude that wants to rent a space out in their cramped out apartment. Isn't there some law against renting out a piece of what looks like a two-bedroom apartment? Also, what supposed 40-year-old would want to rent a place on the floor with 20-something-year-olds? Should also be mentioned that the whole time Cassie is talking to Joe, we really only see a shadow of him, so we have no idea what this guy looks like. It's possible that maybe he's just the cameraman and they overdubbed his voice. Who knows? All we know is that Cassie thinks he's a good man, and Sarah yet again is skeptical. I think that it's uh, safe to move in a 40-year-old man with a bunch of 20 year olds he may be the only sane person in this apartment besides we talked on the phone for hours dylan and eli too everyone thinks he's cool you better hope that he is okay two things there 
she started to say the line too early, I guess. So you get that little clip it there. That's not any type of issue on my recording of the, the audio. That's straight from the film. Second, we have to hold our horses on here too. He's a good man because you talked with him for a long time. I get that the other roomies talked with him too, but seriously, I could fucking whine and dine you on the phone, but until you meet me in person, I could be a fucking maniac that has a plan of feasting on your brains or drinking your fucking blood. Cassie is so damn innocent and trusting that it's actually pretty frustrating and sickening. Sarah has a right uh, idea to doubt Joe, but I guess Cassie is the boss and the main person on the lease? She has the last say? I mean, there's like eight people living there. This would add another person to it. So, but as long as Cassie's like, yeah, it's cool. She's, he's able just to fucking move in. Oh, well, from this, we cut from the car back into the apartment hallway. I guess they're already done with their movie thing, and Cassie is on her cell phone talking to Sarah, but loses connection, and she says that she'll call her back when she's by a landline. Landline? Who still has one of those? Well, she meets some other weirdo in the hallway and begins to strike up a conversation with her, too. Cassie will just fucking talk to anybody who says her name. I swear to fucking God. All they have to go is, Cassie. And she's like, oh, hey, how do you know me? I mean, it could be, Cassie, I'm going to kill you. Oh, hey, how? Hi, how are you doing? Uh, Let's have some talk. Well, in the middle of this conversation, she notices that this lady is bleeding. And this is how the conversation goes. Oh, my God, you're bleeding. I just cut myself on a glass. It's okay now. Are you sure? It looks pretty bad. Medicine is Okay. Thank you, though. I live with my daughter, and she'll take care of it. Okay. You might know her. She's up a lot at night, late hours. I'd like to meet her someday. You will. Okay, again! You are too damn trusting for your own good. This woman who is bleeding in the hallway is talking super fucking creepy. And you're like, oh, cool. I'd love to meet your daughter who happens to be up at night. And when she says, you will, you will, your face isn't fucking disturbed at all. You're only inquisitive when she said she's going to go back to her room and walks down the hallway past you, ignoring the door she just came from. She fucking killed someone there. You stupid. Stupid, innocent girl. Uh, Well, we go back into the apartment now. And the gang is sitting around having one of their dinner meetings. And, hey, we finally get to see Joe. And if he's fucking 40, I'm fucking 19 years old. This dude is at least in his mid-50s. Is this some type of, like, another teen movie bullshit? Of course the conversation turns to the one and only Rico. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But isn't one of you missing? Uh, Rico. It was payday for him last night, which means it's drunk night tonight. Oh, really? Rico is the drunk of this apartment. He spends every cent he has on getting high and drunk. <laughs> He's a drunk and a stoner, so of course he spends all his cash on that. Fucking A, Cassie! How do you pick these people? I swear to fucking God! 
oh, you're the only type of person who would constantly pick up, like, dying animals during hikes and take them home and care for them, hiding them in a box under a bed until someone noticed. And then they toss those little fuckers out, only to later you come across a new animal the next day that needs your fucking help. Ah, oh, frustrating. Okay, calm down a little bit, calm down. So, Joe is supposedly a counselor, and he's trying to save up money for his own practice. Seriously? That's not transparent at all. And, and we find out that not one of the roomies is planning to leave for some shoot. And I think this is Eli, who they talked about earlier. But he doesn't really have a whole lot of lines in this movie, and he's really only in for this next shot. So he leaves the apartment. He is seduced by some chick in the hallway that's totally not a vampire at all. In fact, those aren't vampire teeth that you can clearly see as he enters the washroom to get it on with her. Oh, wait. They are. Man, I was just as surprised as the dude was. Well, someone had to die first, I guess. I mean, outside of a dream. Well, back in the apartment, Joe and the one of the other roommates, Randy, wait... I thought it was like eight roommates. I don't even know how many it is now. And we find out that they have a secret to hold. So, do they know who you are? I don't have a clue. Did you sense the evil presence among them? Yes, since the day one I moved in here. Good, and I like the way you're playing the intentional nerd, too. Yeah, well, some of them think I'm gay, not a nerd. Don't worry, you won't have to be incognito much longer. Madison has begun her feeding. And now, we'll do our thing. How did you know she's going to move in here? I've been tracing her for years. I know her to a T. Only this time, she's not going to escape me. Wait, so you mean he's not a counselor? And Randy's not gay or nerd? Now, Randy, I can't believe that he's a slayer. You know, there's nothing, because we really didn't know anything about him until now. But Joe, seriously, he's just a transparent as a piece of glass no man that old willing to live in a place like that unless he was like those kids or like rico or if he was hiding something plus if you saw or heard the trailer you already knew so this madison chick is a vampire and he's been hunting her for a long time the fighting skills and the faith that Randy has will help in ending this vampire menace that's plaguing this nameless area. Sweet, at least we get to see some awesome fighting moves at some point, right? I'm fucking stoked. Well, we should also say that uh, Joe doesn't believe that Randy is ready either. So, I guess... Maybe we're going to get some type of coming-of-age vampire slayer thing going on. Well, we'll see as we go on. But I'm fucking stoked for maybe some, like, kung fu vampire action. This would be great. So from this, we cut to a weird scene in the park with Dylan and his friend Ben, who is a cop, I believe. It's really silly, as we kind of see the landlady from earlier in clear view of everything. But while Ben is panicking, he never notices her. And he's panicking because he thinks people are listening to them and he can't really tell Dylan what he wants to tell him. She's obviously right there. But when Ben turns, it's in the direction that she's not. I mean, it's like a Benny Hill sketch, really. She constantly is, you know, over here, just kind of dodging. Maybe 
she's a very sneaky landlady hiding in plain sight and then dodges when she may uh, be seen by somebody. Or maybe she's just invisible and they really can't see her. You know what? For the benefit of the doubt, I'll believe that. She's just kind of wandering around invisible during the day, chasing down random men for some reason. I should also say that the actor that plays Ben, he talks like he's always got something in his mouth. It then kind of, from this scene, fades to that evening, and Rico is walking by himself, either going to or from work. He does work the graveyard shift, you know, so I don't know which it is, and it's never really explained. Uh, that's where we come across some sexy ladies, or as they say... Have you ever seen two beautiful women? What the shit? Come on, baby. When was the last time you had a beautiful woman looking at you, homie? Mm, oh get up, baby. God, am I dreaming? Yes. Yes, they are. Oh, you guys are so beautiful. Oh, you look good. I've never oh, been Oh, and then he gets saved at the last second by Randy, whose fighting skills suck worse than finding out your side chick is pregnant. I mean, it's all out of focus, and he kind of just, like, stabs the vampire, one of the vampires in the chest. But it looks more like he's copping a feel. I can't really tell because, again, only Rico is focused in on, and the background the action is actually happening is out of focus. And then there's also some really weird jump cut after he kills her, to uh, him, like, holding Rico's shoulder and being like, Hey, man, are you okay? What's going on out here? And then they have some stupid conversation and we go on. And we go to this weird fade to black. And we start seeing a vampire meeting that's going on be some with some balding vampire. And the landlady, who's, you know, already sitting there, I guess, back from her stalking of Ben and Dylan. What's the update? According to what I'm hearing, the gay kid Randy killed two of our kind last night. So I heard. I believe the older gentleman living with them is a slayer. I should go in and kill these slayers right now. Und is mental. No, no. We don't need that kind of attention. Not now. We don't want to lose Cassie. We don't have Cassie with us. We will in due time. I kind of agree with the weirdo vampire in this situation and not really the landlady. Why not just go after Cassie now? I mean, if you know how it ends, it's kind of weird. Why would you just wait? These people, they're just idiots and could be easily taken him down. Fuck, even Randy's skills aren't very good and who knows if Joe is up to snuff anymore since he's lying about his age, 40 my ass. The landlady, you know, says that they need Cassie before they can even fight the two Slayers. Which, you know, I believe is a load of shit since Madison is supposed to be this all-powerful vampire. Wouldn't she be able to just go in there at night and snap their fucking necks? Case solved. Bad guys win. Let's go home and watch another fucking movie. Of course, the landlady says that some dude named Dimitri needs to get on the case and seduce Cassie to bring her to the vampire side. Is he really that good, or she's just that gullible to believe whatever he says? Well, I'll let you all figure that out. So Dimitri just shows up. Supposedly he was coming, but I didn't realize it was like he's coming in a second type of thing. And he kind of appears somewhat out of nowhere, and the actor looks really familiar. 
Oh, fuck me. It's fucking Rico. He's in a dual fucking role. I guess he can play a Mexican stereotype as well as a Russian one. Multi-talented acting! Well, the balding vampire still wants to rush in, but Dimitri also wants to take his time. The landlady butts into their conversation, and Dimitri snaps back at her. Silence, woman. Nobody is talking to your mouth. Alright, I think I'm going to have to use that insult in the future. Let me just write that down. No one is talking to your mouth. Okay, have that one stocked up for later. So we're now outside at what looks to be the Santa Monica Pier in Southern California. And some sort of outdoor club area. Dimitri at this point has gone all sexy vampire stalker. Who knew Rico's actor could look like that? And is following both Sarah and Cassie around. The sound in these outdoor areas is just plain awful. A lot of the times, the other sounds will bleed into the audio or overpower what the actors are saying, so you can't really understand anyone. Here, I'm going to play you a conversation for between Dimitri, Sarah, and Cassie, and you, you know, think for yourself or, or make an opinion for yourself. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. No, you didn't scare me now. You pissed me off. What are you, like, um, sort of a pervert? No, an agent. Well, there's not much different from a pervert. What kind of agent are you? An agent for actors and actresses. See what I mean there? There's, like, kids kind of going over the sound there. There's a random club DJ and whatever music is around Sarah when she talks. And this really only happens in the outdoor areas and it's really difficult to hear the actor's lines. It's a little better with headphones on, but forget it if you did it like me and you're trying to watch it through TV or speakers. Basically, kind of what this scene boils down to is Dimitri is trying to convince them that he's an agent and he wants to hook them up with movie stuff. And who happens to be Madison. Cassie is the type of idiot that she is, already believes him while Sarah is the skeptic here. Sometimes I think Sarah is just some sort of like red herring like communism. Like, she's so against everything out there. It's either that or she's really overprotective of Cassie. Also, her actress pauses way too fucking much during her deliveries of some of these lines i mean sometimes it'll be a whole sentence and then we're back into the scene finishing the rest of the line it's kind of like she forgot what she was supposed to say and remembers it 15 minutes later so in order to truly convince them dimitri actually brings the two of them to madison who is just some big black blob the entire time that she's on the screen i mean (laughs) Seriously, is she supposed to be shrouded in the mystery, or could they just not get the camera to focus right in the low light? I'm kind of leading towards the latter. I'm also leading to the fact that maybe they weren't supposed to be shooting where they were, so they did it in the low light and the cameras couldn't quite handle, handle the situation. Well, Madison convinces both of them that they'll be in movies, and says that one of the most blatant lines that a fool could pick up in this entire film. I have to be honest with you, this this career can um, suck the life out of you if you let it. Get it? Because she's a vampire, and she's gonna suck the blood of Cassie. 
Uh, well, maybe she's going to do it to Sarah, too, but you never know. You know what? She'd probably just kill Sarah off for no reason. I think that's the way it would go. You kill Sarah, you take Cassie as your own, and you're done with it. And why Cassie is so important, we still don't quite know. And hopefully we'll figure this out later in the film. So we go back to the apartment once again. And Cassie is very excited to be getting work as an actress. That she's going to take everyone out. Lacey, in her second appearance in this film, acts like a spoiled bitch and says she's not going. Prompting Cassie to follow her into the kitchen and have a nice, heartfelt talk with her. You'll get your break. When? When I'm old and have wrinkles? I slept with so many guys that promised me a break, and I'm still nowhere. Uh, Poor Lacey? I don't know. So you tried to fuck your way to the top, and it didn't work, and we should be sad for you? Well, I'm glad that Cassie is, because I'm not. And since you've been acting like nothing like a bitch since we first met you... Fuck your coffee. So Rico too is waste is way too wasted actually to go out with him. And Lacey's too much of a bitch and the two stay behind. This causes a comedic thing to happen. Well, supposed to be funny. Uh, where Rico won't get out of her bed. So she tries to push him out and he won't leave. And then Lacey ends up sleeping next to him. And then you hear someone call Lacey's name. And that causes Rico to grope her. And she, at that point, actually kicks him out of the bed. Well, I guess it's part of the room. It looks like it's just a mattress on the floor. Well, I, yeah, it is at her bed after all. So she deserves to kick him out. Shortly after, the vampires come in and kill Lacey off hella quick. She barely gets a chance to scream before she's dead. Man, I guess everything really did suck for her. I'm sorry, Lacey. I shouldn't have said those things that I said. After Lacey's death, we're out again at what looks again to be the Santa Monica Pier. Ben this time is meeting with Dylan, trying to tell him about the vampires. But he's too goddamn paranoid. Vampires. Vampires are alive and well in our society today. People just deny it just to hide it. Vampires? You expect me to believe in vampires? Even the police department deny it. The fire department. You really believe what you you're saying, believe, don't you? You really believe vampires what you're saying, don't you? Vampires are here with us every day. Look, there's one right there. Vampires? Look, Look! I'm looking. I don't see anything out there. All I see is people. Ben, that's a vampire right there. I don't see anybody. Look, you got some more coming back this way. They're all over the place. We gotta go. Ben, we, what's we, wrong we, with we you, gotta Ben? Go. Ben, I, I gotta go. what's wrong? Where are you going, Ben? Ben, where are you going? Those people are vampires, Ben. Vampires here. Vampires there. Vampires in my head. Get them out. Get them out. It sounds like the ramblings of a madman. And when Ben runs from Dylan, it doesn't make him look like... He's saying it all. It makes him look even crazier until the vampires actually do chase him down and kill him. I also like the fact that, you know, the police won't believe me. The firefighters won't believe me. Firefighters? What? The, what? What? Oh. No, why do the vampires even want to kill Ben? Is it really because he knows they exist and they can't be known? I mean, seriously, there are hunter slayers out there, and they chase them and 
we know that he's not one of them. At least right now we do, right? It's safe to assume if he's paranoid about it, he's not a slayer. And then why at this point do they just let Dylan go if they could just kill him right now? He saw them brandish their teeth and fucking bite and kill Ben. There's so many questions that happen at these points with absolutely no answers whatsoever. We're then at the next morning and Dylan comes over to Cassie and wants to talk to her about vampires. His voice has so much urgency in it, but his face just looks like he's super hungover. I mean, he kind of looks like Roddy Roddy Piper from They Live, without the jean jacket, but the nice sunglasses. Maybe that's the way that he can see the vampires. The landlady spies on them, and of course, again, she's not seen. Best spy ever. And since Cassie has to go to work, she allows Dylan to go along with her uh, and talk on the way there. For some reason, she fe- he feels that she's in danger, even though Ben didn't really say shit to him about her. When they finally get to their destination and finish their talk, Cassie doesn't believe Dylan at all. Why in the hell wouldn't you believe the only guy willing to help you and be nice to you, but you believe every other fucking monstrous person out there? Planning on killing her? She'll believe you because you're evil. Gonna give her a million dollars to create the first vaccine for AIDS? She'll not trust you because you're doing good. Well, after this scene, there's a quick scene with Madison Dimitri feeding on Cassidy at night. With Dimitri seemingly getting off when Madison sucks Casey's blood, yet neither leave any marks on her when they do it. Not sure what's going on there. We then cut to Rico stating the obvious and the tagline of the movie. Hey! Is it just me? Are people in this apartment vanishing? Maybe not the tagline the movie, but the tagline kind of of the trailer. And he kind of also wonders why Cassie is sleeping in so much nowadays. Joe and Randy over here don't really respond to Rico's guess and you know or statement I should suggest uh, and he believes that Cassie could be pregnant. Well, Randy dismisses this because when he suggests that Dimitri is the one that knocked her up, well, Rico suggests that Dimitri is the one that knocks her up. Randy wants to say it's because Dimitri is a vampire, but he can't really say that out loud right now. This prompts Rico to be more of an asshole, and that comic relief that we so much crave from him. If anybody's going to get a pregnant... It's going to be me! (laughs) Oh, Rico, you so funny. No, you're not. I fucking hate your character. Well, we then cut back to the pier later that night with Sarah and Cassie talking. It really seems like Sarah is just jealous that Cassie's special more than anything else. Then there's this lovely piece of dialogue between Cassie, Dimitri, and Sarah again. See if you can point out what is wrong with this situation.
Did you get it? What could it be? Did you understand what they were saying? Oh, well... Wasn't the sounds of the fucking air hockey being played over the damn dialogue? How did they catch so much of that instead of their actors? Seriously, I totally believe now that this was all shot incognito. Did they not have a permit to shoot there and they did this all guerrilla style? Couldn't they have asked the kids just to stop for one fucking second? Or was it their kids and they used this to keep them busy? Or was it placed in there for the hell of it? Who knows? Who cares? On with the film. Back in the apartment again, Dylan is talking with Joe, Randy, and Rico and tries to talk about the vampires with them since Cassie didn't believe him. Randy wants to tell them what's going on so badly, but Joe's being a huge dick about it. Come on, Joe. We have to tell them what's going on. I mean, you know what's going to happen to Cassie. We have to help her out. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Randy. Randy? Did you steal some of my stash? What the fuck are you on? Give it a rest, Randy. But Joe, they need to know the truth. Give it a rest. Why wouldn't you tell them the truth and maybe, you know, train them to help uh, with the slang instead of just fucking running off to get drunk with Rico? That's a total dick move. Even Randy leaves shortly after and leaves Dylan all by himself. Well, it's actually not for long as... Who would have known? Ben's back from the dead to come and convince Dylan that he should be let inside. But Dylan's actually kind of smart about it. Who? Who are you? It's me, Ben. Let me in quick. They're after me. Who's after you? The vampires. They're after me. Let me in. No way, Ben. It can't be you. I saw you killed the other day on the beach. No, they only bit me. You need to help me. I need your help. No way, Ben. You're one of them. I could have swore I seen you killed the other day on the beach. Wait. So if Dimitri and Madison can just go in and suck on Cassie's neck, why does Ben need to be let in? Also, it looks like they're talking through an intercom, but neither one ever presses anything to talk through it. Ben's up going all quiet, and this prompts Dylan to open the fucking door and let him in. I thought you were the smart one, Dylan. Fuck, I thought you were going to survive. Nope. Ben just fucking kills him, and we leave to the last part of the movie. So now we're back again down on the pier. They love shooting down at the pier for some reason, and Dimitri begins to get fresh with Cassie, and we hear a little bit of love in the air. Wait, what the fuck was that? Was that some fucking kid? That was over the fucking dialogue again. What the hell do you say? Look at me. Come on, guys. You can afford a second take on that one. You don't need to take the one with the kid who is louder than your actor. (sighs) So after this interruption... Dimitri begins to explain to Cassie who they actually are and what their plans for her are. She doesn't believe it for once, but then the vampire crew shows up with Madison and the big revelation of the movie happens. No. No. Now why would you want to run away from me, daughter? 
It is true, Cassie. Madison is your mother. You have been searching for her ever since you were young, but now she has found you. No, no, you can't expect me to believe that. It's true, Cassie. It is true, Cassie. What the fuck? That's her daughter. How the fuck did that happen? Please tell me. Randy makes it pretty clear earlier that Dimitri can't get Cassie pregnant, which leads me to believe that he's sterile since he's a vampire. Does that mean at some point before Madison became a vampire that she was knocked up, then turned? Yet they talk about her being like an old power as well. That would mean that she's been a vampire for a long time. Fuck, Joe's been searching after her for a long time too. This makes no fucking sense. Oh, guess what also happens in this next little scene? Sarah reveals herself to be a vampire all along too. Why don't you accept the truth, Cassie? Your mother has always had me watch over you. And now it's just time for you to join us. You're part of them? I always have been. Uh, oh, fuck. So she was a red herring the whole time. Kind of like communism. How the fuck does that work, too? I mean, I guess she met her at some point during her adult life and became friends with her, but she's been watching over her for this whole time, like ever since she's been like a little girl. And I guess in the beginning of the movie that was supposed to be a little girl that was there, but it's so dark that I couldn't make sense of it. But, you know, here's Sarah. Sarah's been watching over her. And her transformation from like normal human to vampire is literally putting black makeup around her eyes. She lowers her head, pops back up. I got black makeup over my eyes. It also makes sense why she's so jealous of her, but still manages to be a bitch at the same time. Well, this causes the vampire clan to drag Cassie to the beach when Joe and Randy finally show up. Oh boy, please let there be an epic battle for Cassie and and have it actually have something that that is worthwhile watching in terms of action. I can't to see wait to see what oh god, it's really shitty. Why? 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 I mean there's no fighting at all. Dimitri can just kick the shit out of both of them. Why do they even worry? Dimitri, I mean, he just throws Randy aside and kind of scuffles with Joe. And in this process back and forth, he ends up killing him. Randy pops out uh, from the ground with this black light weapon that Joe gave him earlier in the film, blinding Dimitri enough to stab him in the chest. Damn, Dimitri went down like a bitch. I should also say that it's so damn dark and out of focus that I truly can't tell what's going on. I mean, I guess this is what suffices for uh, action sequences in this film. I can really only see Dimitri's death because the light hits him in the right way. And the rest of the fighting is just in the dark, out of focus. With Dimitri dead now... Madison takes matters into her own hand and knocks Randy away once more, giving them enough time to wrap Cassie in some sort of, like, cape cocoon and finally turn her. Well, they didn't stop shit at all. Cassie's now a vampire, makes some noises, then runs at Randy, attacking him, killing him, and ending the movie. (laughs) 
Wow. I asked for something underground and independent, and man, did I get it. It's not a terrible film. It's just there's some terrible shooting, editing, and sound issues in this movie. Really, the sound for the shots outside are just horrible. They're either too loud, too low, or they're masked by some rammed noises in the area. You can even tell when shots were done based upon the music that's in the background. It changes depending on the character and who's talking at that time. So it's and it's also kind of done in almost always like close-up shots or character shots. So you have somebody that's talking and it moves on to the other person that they're talking and then if there's a third person it cuts off to that third person that's talking and then back and forth and so on. I can kind of forgive this film for a lot of its shortcomings because it's not a full-blown release, nor is it a B-movie release from something like Full Moon or Trauma. If this was happening in any other film, I would smash to the ground probably stop watching it. But I just kind of felt it added to the charm of this movie because, and, and like I said, it did sway me a little bit because I know it's an independent release, um... And I know that some of the issues that uh, went on with it. It's not terrible. The story is not terrible. It's got plot holes. It's got some big plot holes. But it's interesting enough to kind of keep you moving on. I just wish it wasn't so character focused. And when they actually had like action scenes of him attacking, Randy attacking the vampires or the fight with Dimitri, that there would be a little more something to it rather than just an out of focus shot and, you know, a stabbing of the chest. You know, again, I say it's terrible. But if this is a first attempt at a film, it's actually not that bad. There's definitely room to grow on. And there is another movie that he has done that I might look at in the future. And that looks more like a full-blown release. Uh, and it is also available like on Amazon and stuff like that. So I might give that a try just to see what the differences between the film are. But that's going to probably have to wait. So I give the crap factor of this film a 4 out of 5 because it's really crappy. The gore is a 0 out of 5. Is There's really no gore at all. There's a couple of scenes of, you know, they bite people and there's blood on the mouths of people. But there's no real gory things in this film. And the fun factor, it's a 3 out of 5. And really, it's a 3 out of 5 for me on the fun side because the the characters are so stereotypical you know the the general idea of the movie is pretty fun and even the way with these little issues that they have it kind of add up to it being fun but i wouldn't give it a full five because some of those issues deter you from enjoying the film especially when you cannot hear the actors even talk because either the sound is way too low or there's something going on on top of it Overall, I gave the film three air hockey tables out of five. I did have a lot of fun watching this film, and it is a so-bad-it's-good film. If the audio issues were fixed, I'd say it'd be an even better film. It's, you know, like I said, it's just at the times where you can't even hear what they're saying. The cuts in the editing, I can understand if you're doing it by yourself. Maybe this is your first time ever doing it. Um, it does jump quite a bit in parts, but again, that adds to the charm 
of the film. If you didn't get a chance to see it beforehand listening to this review, please give it a watch on YouTube and write to me and tell me what you thought of it. Well, for our next episode, we're going to be going back to a full-blown release with a remake of one of my favorite classic horror films starring one of my favorite horror uh classic horror actors now he's not in this to my knowledge but we'll have to see you guys gonna do it tonight or what stop the hell is that what does he want can we help you maybe we're on his property i'm gonna turn your lights off So let's get out of here. All right, let's go. Come on, he's gone. Is anybody? No, nobody. Hello? I don't think anyone's here. Hey, where's that house of wax? It is wax. Literally. This is weird. Looks like a hell of a party. Look how detailed this is. Tell me this doesn't look real. You're saying that that's a real person underneath? They're all wax, everyone. You gotta be careful. I am being careful. That's right. Next time we'll be looking at the Paris Hilton acting debut, House of Wax. Now, I've never seen this version, but it looked like something that would be right up my alley. And like I said, I really enjoyed the original House of Wax. So I know this is going to be a shit fest that I'm going to get very upset about, but I'll be fine. It'll be wonderful. And I know nobody can replace Vincent Price. And I know the ending's much different. I know this is a lot gorier. I know this is, you know... Well, we'll see. I don't remember if it was rated PG-13 or not. I forgot to check that before recording this. But it is available on Netflix as well as Amazon Instant, so you can watch it before you listen. Once again, I want to thank everybody for checking out my little podcast. And as always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast. You can check out, and of course, please like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. I 
have started putting up little movie clips so you can kind of get an idea of the movie that we're about to watch. And there are things that I want to try doing later that are going to be Facebook specific so that I don't just constantly put out a podcast, especially when it's something like a newer movie. Um, I'd like to do a quick review and maybe plop it up there uh, as well. I'm interested in, and please, if anybody has seen any of these uh, newer movies, let me know. I'm very interested in 10 Cloverfield Lane. I've heard it's very good. Um, There's also another one, The Witch, I was kind of interested in, but I keep hearing mixed things about it. Like, they get the atmosphere right, but they don't, you don't really care about the movie. Um, And there was something else that was, I think, coming out this weekend, the weekend of the 11th, um, that looked interesting oh there was the boy that came out too but that looks like that's more up this podcast thing rather than a horror movie so uh you know i always take suggestions you can always send them in to terrible terror podcast at gmail.com uh i've got at least a couple movies in the tank of course house of wax is up next uh and then i did get a suggestion from somebody else and there's something that i want to do that's special uh, but I haven't quite figured out the logistics of it yet. Uh, but we may have a couple of guests pop on for a couple of these episodes. And they'll be a little different from what I normally do. But it'll give you a, a different perspective than my own. So, again, um, you can also listen to uh, the other podcast that I do. It's called It Be Like That. It's with my co-host, Patrick. Uh, and we have that podcast available on Spreaker, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. And it's uh, we have an episode every other week that we don't have an episode of Terrible Terror. Uh, last week, I did a solo episode, so if you like to hear my ramblings on something else that's not horror movies, please go and check that out. I think I did something on uh, The Simpsons, uh, and I did uh, the best and worst horror movies of 2015 and actually got some ideas to to do for uh, this podcast and there were a couple on there of the worst ones that i actually liked uh so we'll see what we can do from then also to you can always leave a review for this podcast on itunes spreaker stitcher or blueberry and you can help this podcast be seen uh also if there's anybody out there that um you know, knows uh, a little more about these movies or would like to discuss anything, we can always do a separate little interview slash podcast episode with you. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd very much enjoy that. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time for House of Wax with the ever-person Paris Hilton. Later. See you soon. <laughs>